everyone, and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. We're back. I'm your host, Ryan, this week. Joining me this week, every week, every episode, it's Crofton. He's always here. Crofton, how's it going? Hey, Ryan. It does feel like we haven't done this for a while. Yeah, feeling a little rusty. Uh, it's it, You know, it's, it's the thing about doing a podcast every two weeks. If you miss a week or push a week, that two, the, the difference between two weeks and three weeks feels like forever. So, uh, yeah. It does. You feel like, you know, especially this is a, a, a day in the life podcast, a week in the life, a two weeks in the life. Um, and sometimes when we do our two weeks and I'm thinking over like, what were my last two weeks like? And then I feel like the most boring man on earth. And then every once in a while we'll push a week and it's three weeks. And I'm like, I did so much stuff. How, how will I possibly sort through all this stuff and, and pare it down to a svelte one hour, 30 plus minute podcast. So we'll see. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a lot to, uh, digest i feel like we've got a really strong episode though because as you said in the last three weeks a lot has happened Uh, some stuff has happened that we can't even talk about on the podcast uh but we're going to talk about the stuff we can talk about which is that uh unfortunately crofton you uh you had covid uh at some point in the last three weeks yeah uh, i had it last week and it was one of the reasons we were Looking at pushing, I was I was really uh, the whole family got it except Gwen. I think it was, I think Clara, myself, and, and Jess. We Gwen never popped for it, and I and I think, but I, I just think it's unlikely that she would have never never gotten it. Um, and for us, it was our first go around. I know a lot of people have had COVID by now, and it's not as fun as it sounds, really. Um, and uh, it, it it was like um, it, we had a, a, a couple of friends over. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and they, um, you know, the, I we hadn't seen them since the beginning of the pandemic, and I would say that like I know they take precautions and and stuff, but I felt that perhaps we would be the more cautious couple and and family. That's my 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 sense of the thing. And so we hadn't seen them since the beginning of the pandemic. Now things are sort of a little bit more relaxed. We had them over in the backyard and stuff. Then the next day they send us a message saying, hey, we just tested positive for COVID. And so either we gave them COVID or they gave us COVID. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Now we're past the point in this pandemic thing where there's the blame game or any finger pointing or whatever, but it is funny because, um, you know, like, uh, we, we just don't know. It is possible that we were the ones that gave them, them COVID. And I feel so bad as well about it because that night we got a babysitter for date night. And so the babysitter got exposed to our COVID. And we hadn't been out on a date forever. And then we went to a restaurant and the entire restaurant was exposed to our COVID. And so we are now those people uh, that have gone out and super spread uh, and we never go out. And I felt so bad about it. And luckily where we, you know, the restaurant we went to, we were outside mostly. And and, um, I'm hopeful the babysitter we checked seems fine and did not get it. So that's good. But, But still... It was not a, not not a great feeling, and um, Jess and I were kind of laid up. And Clara, who tested positive, was in fine form, so she couldn't go to day camp. Gwen uh, daycare. Gwen couldn't go to day camp, 
Um, and so the kids were in fine form and people point out to me like, you know, isn't that better? Like you worry about your kids. They haven't been vaccinated. You'd be worried if they were really sick. And that is absolutely true. We would have been. Um, but, but that aside, setting that aside, the kids having full energy and being isolated and bored where the parents are laid up on their asses, um, I mean, was not overly fun. Uh, but I will say it led to a lot of great board game, movie, video game content for this episode because uh, I was off work, uh, you know, with the kids watching watching stuff or doing stuff. So that silver linings. Yeah. Well, I'm, so I'm assuming everyone's feeling a lot better now. Everyone's recovered. Yeah, we're we're mostly recovered. I'd say, you know, tail, tail end here, I got a lingering cough. I still feel a bit low energy. Um, and the uh, kids seem 100% fine. Uh, and Jess is still, you know, Jess is poor, poor Jess, because as longtime listeners will know, she's going through this big health thing. Um, and so then to have also COVID on top of that. So she's back to just dealing with her major health thing. So, I mean, it's, it, it, if it's, it's better, but, uh, but, uh, we're, yeah, we're, it took it out of us. We're tired. Um, and, uh, we're looking forward to August because August I'm off all of the month of August. And, and, um, one of the silver linings of getting COVID is that, I mean, for August we're you know, it will be done. Uh, you know, you can't get reinfected and such, but, um, we have a vacation planned and, and, uh, I think we feel a little bit more comfortable. Everybody's being exposed. Everybody's, you know, there's there's some some good to that. And and so uh anyway, looking forward to August. That's good. Yeah, I've always uh I've always liked um the your your summer plan and you know, we'll we'll talk about summer uh in the diaper section, but uh I've always this is our first summer kind of having to chop up the the summer and like i've had to take uh like a lot of leave to just be home with the kids and because again they're out of school and we've, we've talked about the age-old dilemma of like what do you what do you do with your kids when when they're out of school and this is our first summer where neither ashley or i are on um parental leave or some sort of augmented schedule um where ashley works I, she she would take an augmented schedule where she could she was only working i think one evening and, and uh, weekends um, so that schedule went out the window when, when COVID hit because they reduced hours. Uh, so yeah, like this is, this is our first summer where we're just like, okay. And, and it seems like every week I'm like, oh, and, um, you know, just a quick update, uh, you know, on the team calls, I'm going to be off, uh, you know, next week. And everyone's like, oh man, you're off, you're off, you've, you've earned that vacation. I was like, yes, yes. Uh, it's not the actual vacation yet. Still just hanging out at home, going to the zoo, you know, I think tomorrow we're going to go, I'm going to take um, Caden and Abby to to the movies to see the new Minions movie. I'm going to get out of the house uh, a little bit there. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm tempted to look at uh, more of an augmented schedule like you have. Because I mean, if I'm taking, you know, three or so weeks chopped up over the summer, like what would be the difference to kind of like lump it together and, and put it into a, a month? So may, maybe that's something to look at. But yeah. Curious, curious times. Maybe for next year, I'll, I'll take a look at that as an option. Um, okay, well, you know what? We'll uh, we'll jump back to summer. We'll have more to talk about later on the show, but we're going to move into the dungeons. We're going to start dungeon crawling here. And uh, man, lots of fun stuff. Where to start? Here's the thing. I'm going to start with a, a quick one because this is a video game that uh, I've really just started to scratch the surface on, but I thought it was... 
a fun one to bring to the show because it's a video game I'm actually uh, looking to play through with Ashley, um, who does not normally play video games. Uh, but honestly, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to check out this. Uh, this It's a horror co-op sort of narrative experience. Um, like Until Dawn, it's actually made by the same folks as Until Dawn, uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology, all of those entries. It's The Quarry. Um, it is a, uh, you know, 90s inspired horror story that uh, sees eight characters um, in, interacting with each other uh, at a, a summer camp and uh, horror type things are happening. Scary stuff, ghosts and ghosts, I guess is really all I've experienced so far. Um, have you ever played any of the supermassive games like um, Until Dawn or any of the Dark Pictures anthology there, Crofton? So I actually have, I played, so my wife and I, and it's funny you mentioned playing this with Ashley because we played Until Dawn on PS4 and she watched the, uh, the whole game and we really, really enjoyed it. Um, We didn't like, I know, you know, there's certain characters that can die and and Until Dawn for, for those who don't know, is just like a, it is a video game, but it, it, it uses like sort of real actors and models the likeness of them and, in sort of, um, you play through, I guess, a horror movie. Uh, one of those ones where the teens go get lost at a cabin in the woods, and there might be scary monsters and people dying and so forth and so on. Um, and so you make choices and and you you do things that maybe some characters will live and some characters will die, and it is it is interesting in that way. Uh, and so I thought, you know, when we were playing it, that we were going to uh, potentially replay it or whatever. But once we finished it. And we got we got a fairly good ending. We were like, oh, okay, you know that 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 was good. But um, I I never played any of these dark picture anthology ones. And like I see the way the quarry is being marketed is kind of a return to form or like a, an until dawn like. And that seems like very appealing to sit down and play with Jess um, because we did enjoy until dawn. My question to you, Ryan, is if somebody who played these other ones, like the Dark Pictures on Anthology, what what is the difference between saying Until Dawn and The Quarry and those ones? Like like um, everybody talks about Until Dawn and now they're talking about The Quarry, but those other ones feel like they did nothing, like they didn't move the needle at all or people didn't, you know. Anyway, I, I'm just curious what's different about those ones. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question. So I think when you look at um, the Dark Pictures anthology, there's more of this. Uh, it's a it's a smaller story, so you, you it's a more bite sized experience. You know, you're going in, you're getting like a tight four to five hours, small set of characters that are going to interact. Um, I think when you compare the two directly, uh, it's they're very similar. I mean, honestly, as someone who's played all of them, I think they're very similar. I think where this one's closer to Until Dawn is more in the sort of uh, the gameplay setup in that um, there's more there's more choices being presented, um, more dialogue options, more do you go this way, do you go that way, do you pick up this thing, do you pick up that thing, that sort of thing. Whereas the Dark Pictures Anthology, it felt a little like a more tighter experience, like you were playing through um, these little snippets. But also, uh, when you look at the Dark Pictures Anthology, it really plays up the co-op, the two-player co-op fashion with um, 
you know, House of Ashes and Little Hope and Man of Medan, in that when you're playing co-op, you're playing at the exact same time, but you're experiencing different scenarios and sometimes you sync back up and sometimes you don't. And that's how they kind of like prolong um, the replayability in that when you play co-op of these Dark Pictures anthology, you're getting a portion of the story. So each year, Jocelyn and I play through uh, a new entry in the Dark Pictures anthology for Extra Life and we'll stream the co-op, the whole thing. And we kind of get to sync up the story through our Discord conversation as we're playing because she's seeing something different and I'm seeing something different. But sometimes we're we're in the same room and we're interacting with different things and there's like this waiting for player type situation. So there's none of that in uh the quarry and until dawn. Like it's a, it's a story you move through it literally in a in a sense, but there are branching paths. Um so in Dark Pictures anthology there really aren't a lot of branching paths uh especially if you're playing single player. You kind of move through the story, you go from one point to the other. There are characters that can die, but it doesn't feel as though like, like in the quarry, like until dawn, like everybody can die. Like you can finish the game and it's not a game over. It's just, that's the ending of the story. Obviously narratively it's set up. So someone probably lives to near the end and then maybe they die. Um, I remember my until dawn playthrough, like I think I had a pretty good playthrough and then a couple people died in like the final sequence because uh, of those damn quick time events. But I feel like the quarry is closer to Until Dawn and that it's a it's a large story. Um, when you picture a, a narrative game with choice, it's a, like a diamond. You start at one point, you end at another point, and then like it branches out and then it kind of hits in like a, it hits a point where it has to come back together, right? So that's I think Until Dawn had that, the quarry has that, and but it's just their approach to co-op in that there are many options in the quarry. So Ashley and I are playing couch co-op where you have one controller and at the start you say, okay, how many people are playing? You can queue up up to eight people and you can basically say like, okay, it's just Ashley and I, so there's two players. And then you divvy up the characters. There's eight characters to divvy up. So we kind of split them down the middle. One character's name is, uh, is Ryan. So of course I had to have Ryan on, on, on my, uh, on, on my selection of characters. Was there a, was there a Crofton? There's no Crofton. There's an Abigail. Uh, so there's that. Right. <laughs> that doesn't help you, but. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, but but I appreciate that a good chunk of your family is already represented. Yeah. And then they'll get offed. Yeah. I'll, yeah. So that is, that is, that is a conundrum there. But, you know, and this is the thing about the coach co-op is that, um, it is really just all in one session. You're just passing the controller back and forth. But like Until Dawn, the thing I really like about the quarry is that it is a very much a narrative uh, first game. Like it's it's like you're like I pitched it to Ashley as like we're basically playing through a movie. There are points at which you have complete control over a character. You're walking around, but the interactive scenes are like big glowing things. You have to walk towards hit X and that'll queue up either like a piece of dialogue or, or move the scene forward uh, or have you talk to a character. So it's like, it is like an old school point and click adventure and that you're interacting with an environment to move the story forward, but it's nothing, you know, for the most part, there's hardly any camera control, which is always a thing that throws Ashley off. There's a lot of quick time events. You mentioned them earlier. There was a lot until done and that's where your characters could die or things could happen. Is Ashley doing the quick time events? 
Well, see, here's that's a good point too. Like I think with you know, QuickTime events have come a long way since Until Dawn, especially from the standpoint of like if you remember like old school QuickTime events, I think God of War made them really um popular in in games since then. And it was like a lot of like button mashing, a lot of like hit square, now hit triangle. Um and it, you know, they've come a long way. So, I think when you look at the quarry uh, first and foremost, I made Ashley player one, which meant she played first, which allowed her to get a lot of like um, the tutorial stuff in because like it, the the issue with, you know, um, quick time events is that you have to be like it's a you're, you're basically playing through a movie. So it can be tempting to kind of like set the controller down and in until dawn like that could get your characters killed. I would argue, though, like the problem with QuickTime events is that it requires an intrinsic knowledge of the buttons of a controller. Like if I, if you tell me to press square or triangle on a PlayStation controller, I can do that intuitively from years of conditioning. But I remember having a PlayStation controller for the first time and being like, these shapes are annoying. I'm used to YBA. And even on like Xbox and Nintendo where they've, have the exact opposite letters in the same stupid places. I'm still pretty good at, at intuitively. I'm like, Oh, B a Y I, you know, like I'm hitting them right away. Whereas if I gave that to my wife, she would have to look at the controller as the things were coming up and be like, uh, this one, this one, and then look back up at the TV. Like unless Ashley's played video games enough that she has that intuitiveness of, of the shapes or whatever you're playing it on. Yeah, no. Uh, well, this is the other thing in, in that, you know, quick time events have come a long way. And early on, again, only played the first chapter, but I did play um, some additional chapters. Uh, I tried out the online co-op with uh, with Jocelyn a bit before Gamers In. Um, most of the time, the quick time events so far have been the control stick. So pushing up on the control stick, left, right, down, in line with actions you need your characters to take whether they're dodging a tree stump while they're driving or you know avoiding tripping over a log while you're running away from something that's been most of the quick time events so far uh plus there are accessibility options that you can enable in the game to basically remove some of the more annoying quick time events like um i've had this kill a couple characters on uh in the dark pictures anthology the having to mash the button to fill up like a like a well to to basically mash the button as fast as a developer thinks you should mash it to get out of a specific situation. And I've had instances where, um, you know, I know which button I'm supposed to push. I'm just not hitting it fast enough for this character to survive. Uh, so you can like tweak the settings a bit. We haven't gotten to the point where I have to do that because we haven't gotten to the more advanced chapters, I'd say. But so far, it's really just been the control stick. And that's helped a lot because, again, like it's just a matter of like making sure you're well, you, you don't usually drop that. You don't usually put down the controller because you're moving a character. You're choosing dialogue options, and that's all on the left side of the controller um, with the D-pad and and the control stick. So that's been really helpful uh, because you're right. Like she hasn't had a lot of experience with that controller, so yeah, like knowing when to push X or or triangle in the moment that would be tough. Um, but so far that hasn't been an issue. But it. Like if it got down to it, like you can change some accessibility options to to make it easier. And honestly, um, Jocelyn had actually suggested it. it. You can turn off, like I said, you can turn off the mashing QuickTime events. And that's just because like I'd rather just hit the button. I don't need to be tested on how fast I can hit it. I just want to be able to to hit it. Sometimes like it can be 
It creates intensity, Ryan. I know. How can, how can you be running if you don't tap the X, you know? You gotta- I know. You're absolutely right. It, it creates that intensity, that tension. Um, but yeah, it, sometimes it can be it can be annoying. But, you know, we are enjoying it. Like, we're, it's going to probably take us some time to get through because I feel like it, it will probably, um, like, we'll play it when, instead of watching a TV show. And honestly, we've we've really been enjoying a lot of the TV that's been sort of coming out lately. So, um, you know, saying, hey, let's play this video game instead. But the story and the characters, all the acting is really great. The story is really interesting. They're setting up a really interesting mystery and sort of, uh, you know, a story there. And it's got a lot of big name actors, like not like, you know, uh, crazy AAA, you know, actors, but like names you'll recognize, like David Arquette's in there, Ted Raimi, um, uh, the dude from Jurassic World, not... Not Chris Pratt, but uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, not Chris Pratt. Uh, I think his name Sam is Justice Neal? Smith. No, not not Sam Neill. The guy who was in Detective. Pe- no, not Jeff. Go- See, this is the issue. I shouldn't have said Jurassic World. I should have stated Detective Pikachu. So um, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> uh, look, I could have looked it up uh, throughout this entire bit, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's Justice Smith. Is is Justice his name? Smith? Is it Justice Jeez, Smith? I don't know. I I don't, I don't know who that is, but I'll take your word. Oh, it's got Lance Hedrickson. It's got Ethan Supley. It is Justice Smith. Um, it's got the uh, the middle daughter from Modern Family. Oh, so, the know. middle daughter. Uh, oh, Skylar Gazondo, who's uh, who's awesome in um, uh, God, I did this on the Gamers Into where I forgot the show. Oh, Righteous Gemstones. So you never know when one of these people will hit it big too. Cause last time in Intel Dawn, Remy Malik is in it. And, right. and, he, and he ends up becoming like, he was just like, uh, you know, I don't even think he was on Mr. Robot at the time. If so, he had perhaps just start started. And then he's like, now he's an Oscar winning at best best actor and probably if somebody was like hey i remember you from until dawn he would be like i don't want to talk about that i'm a serious actor you know but uh but uh i you never know maybe one of these ones will look back at the quarry and be like can you believe so justice smith was in this game you know yeah i mean he was he was he played alongside ryan reynolds and detective pikachu so there you go but uh So by proxy, Ryan Reynolds, it's like one degree of, of, of Ryan Reynolds from the quarry. Like that's a selling point. Yeah, it's, it, it very much is. And I mean, here's the thing. Um, in terms of purchasing the game, I got to put this out there. Like it is a full price title. And on current generation consoles, it is employing the very not so fun price tag of $90. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's before taxes mind you um so is yeah. that how much is that how much those games like when i bought elden ring like which is the only game to this date i've bought for the series x i bought it digitally though i don't know if that makes a difference i don't think it was i thought it was 79.99 no, it was 80 and here's the thing some publishers are opting for the 90 dollars price tag uh sony all first party sony titles on the playstation 5 are $90 before tax. This is Canadian, by the way. Our American Son listeners are probably bitch. like, yeah, it's it's um, expensive. But that being said, if you are interested in the quarry, it is on sale right now. It's $30 off, which brings it down to um, the more manageable price of $60. So 
And here's the thing about this is the thing. Like, I feel that the quarry at one point, because un- until Dawn got stupid cheap. Yes. I, I I feel like at one point this game will be stupid cheap. And that that's one of those things where it's like, do I, you know, can I wait for this? Because I was really tempted, but a- as you say, TV is ramped up. There's a bunch of great uh TV stuff. Oh, I forgot something in the show notes, actually. I should uh, but uh <laughs> but uh yeah, actually, you know what? Let's move on from the quarry. I'm next. Uh, so uh, I'm going to start. I'll start in the world of virtual reality. Uh, and, I'm uh, a little worried so, about this because honestly, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. But, well, you clearly knew more than me then because like all I knew was my, my friend Bo was into this uh, thing called VR chat. Uh, and I had no idea what that was because that would have been the exact type of thing that I would completely have tuned out of if I saw it in the store. Because it would have, it, it to me, it would be a not a game, and b it would be just like like a chat program for like chatting with randos in VR. That would not be of interest to me. Um, uh, but Bo was really adamant about like, oh, you got to get this VR chat thing. Oh, we got to check this out. But he wouldn't tell me anything about it. And I would Google what is VR chat and I would read about it. And I just didn't really, really understand. Uh, and so so I, I jumped in earlier this week with him. And I'll, I'll tell you a bit about my experience. But before I do, do you did you know about this before or had you heard about this at all? I. So I'll be honest, like I've, I've, I only know what I know now based on, uh, Bo's discussions on core. And I, like we, we, uh, so you and I had done some VR stuff like years ago and it kind of, um, it kind of made me like shy away from a lot of those, like there's something about, you know, open, you know, chat rooms where just everyone's hanging around. Like, I know, I know we've kind of like we've kind of moved away from that and um, like online lobbies where like everyone's just chatting. And to me, it's like, yeah, you know what? That's too much chaos. It's too much can, can happen. And especially when VR, it's like right in your face. I think we played, there was like a VR rec room, rec room. Thank you. That was one where I was like, I felt really uncomfortable. It's like, we need to, we need to just go into a, we need to, I was like, we need to go into a game and get away from this lobby where like everyone's coming up to you and like trying to talk in your face and like no one's being rude. It's just it's like everyone's just like right up in your face. And I'm like, ah, no, I just let's go play. What were we going to play? Like tag or no, it wasn't tag. Mini it was golf. Mini golf or uh, frisbee golf. And there was another instance where we played the um, uh, Echo. It was the Lone Echo spinoff yeah. multiplayer game. Yeah. And it was the same deal. Like you were in a lobby and people were floating around and most people were awesome and having a conversation. But then you have the occasional person who was just like, I'm going to just be really super close and, you know, constantly throwing things at your face. And it's like VR is already uncomfortable. And now you're just you're just making things worse. So those are my two experiences with like sort of like online chat rooms in VR. And it just kind of like it was uncomfortable. So like. But the conversations that Bo was having on core about VR chat, it's like it sounds it's it sounds like some of it could be pretty cool. Like you have to kind of give it a chance. Um, well, 
So you're either going to be in for this or you're not to a certain mm-hmm. extent. I, I will I will say that your experiences in those two uh, uh, VR uh, um, areas will give you some some basis of comparison. Rec Room uses these stylized avatars. Everybody has sort of a similar look, but you're not made to look necessarily like a real person or whatever. You look kind of like cartoony. Uh, what's interesting about Lone Echo is you all look like you're in these kind of suits or whatever, but you can see the the human motion, especially of the upper body of like people's arms moving and like they look like people. And then there's localized audio in Lone Echo as well. I think there is in Rec Room uh, too. But the idea being like if somebody's closer to you, then they sound louder. If they get farther away, they sound more distant and so forth and so on, right? Um so, so VR chat, it takes that to the next, you know, to the next level. It uses the localized audio, but what it essentially is, is the Oasis from Ready Player One. Um, it's based on the Unity uh, graphic engine, which is used for the design of a lot of games. And, and, and it allows you to essentially, and I, I don't get into the, the how they make this but like a lot of people can c- create their own worlds in unity and create their own avatars and for people like Bo who take friggin forever to customize their in-game characters in every video game they ever play um, this is like dress up gone wild and one thing that is so crazy about it too is like while Lone Echo and uh, Rec Room have the localized audio, they don't have lip sync. Um, And and this game, this program game does, depending on the avatar that that, that you have. And so when I went into the, like first you you go in and you're in your home area and it's just like gives, there's posters and stuff. You're not thrown into some unforgiving environment. You have to choose that. And you're sort of walking around and, you can change your avatar and whatever. I I invite Bo in uh, and he comes in and of course he's got like this most ridiculous bullshit avatar where it's like this giant cartoon cat thing that looks like it might have come like humanoid cat thing that looks like it might have come out of uh, the Roger Rabbit movie. But is not quite a cartoon, but not quite CG either. Has big expressive eyes. And then he starts talking to me in Bo's voice. And its mouth is moving like Bo's like, like lip syncing to, to more or less to what Bo. I'm like, so this giant cat person, anime cat person <laughs> is talking to me with Bo's voice. And like his arms are moving like talking because he's got the, the controls or whatever. And, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And – then, he, then, of course, he has to show me every single outfit that he's got or avatar that he's got. And now here's the thing. Because I don't have them on my computer and I'm connected with the Steam link, Bo encouraged this because he's like a lot of these worlds are very graphically demanding. You can't – the Quest version, I guess, is much more limited than than when you're connected to your PC with the, the link cable. So I was connected to my PC. But every time he would change an outfit or avatar, I would have to download it. And so he would get like a loading bar over his head and it would fill up as he downloads it and it would go pretty fast, but some of them were like a 60, 70 meg like download for his avatar. And then, and then it would appear. And then all of a sudden he would turn into the doom guy or whatever. And some of the avatars are super tall. Some are small and the localized audio made it like, you know, when he turned into a little midget anime girl, she's down like, 
I can hear her lower, you know, like then. And when he's the giant mech, I can hear him up there. So he's really, he's really into showing me all these avatars. And he, he asked me like, so what do you want to, what do you want for an avatar? And I, I said, do I have to like buy them or something? And he said, no, 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 we just go and find them. And I, I said, okay, well, I want to be Spider-Man, obviously. Um, and, uh, and then he's like, all right, we're going to the Spider-Man world. And I was like, what? And, and he opens a portal to like, I guess a world that somebody has created the spider dungeon or the spider. And we, we go through it and then like it low, it, it loads in and I'm in this new VR world and somebody has created it. And it's, it's like, there's a wall of, there's Spider-Man comic books on the walls, like turned into posters. It's super cool, like super well done. And then there's a wall of all these comics. And, and Bo is like, if you pick up a comic, you will get the costume of the, the cover art of that comic. And there was like, you know, all the cover, all the costumes from the Spider-Man video game on PS4 um, and, and more so. So I picked up, I'm like, all right, I'll pick up the classic red and red and blue comic there. Boom. All of a sudden I'm wearing that and that you can look in mirrors and there's mirrors everywhere. I'm like, holy shit, I'm Spider-Man. And then I could shoot webs out of my, and I could start swinging in the avatar space. They built these, you could only use the Spider-Man powers in the spider world, but it was, you know, there was, and it wasn't super well done, but you could like climb up walls and swing and stuff like that in your spider suit. Um, and, uh, and then he's like, let's go clubbing. And I'm like, oh, all right. And so he opened another portal and he's in a black Spider-Man suit. Now I'm in red, red and blue. We jump into some VR club and there's a real, like there's a DJ doing the set and there's all these people and they're ridiculous avatars. Um, and they're all like dancing in this club uh, and you know, you can change the volume level for the music or the whatever. And I, it's just like, it's kind of, kind of ridiculous. And you, there are people like having conversations now we're in a public area. Um, and I'm, I'm listening to, you know, some people talk and, and the, and it's all annoying stuff. As you say, Ryan, like, just like hearing people talk, it, you know, it's, you're, you're just like, Oh, what is this? And then people are like, Hey, look, it's Spider-Man or blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're getting in your face and you're like, Oh yeah, these are all the things I don't necessarily like, but then they, then they go back to their thing and they're having a conversation and it's kind of like being at a club. Like you're hearing these things, you're hearing the music. It's all shooting out. I can go and pick up glow sticks and wave them around. I walk into the back room and there's all these like games that have been set up because people can make the games in unity. And it's like, there's beer pong that you could play. There's like a dartboard. There's like all sorts of, uh, there's like a wheel that you spin. There was like a connect four thing and you can just start playing them and like hanging out with your friends. So, I mean, it was pretty cool. Then Bo wanted to show me like a relaxation world and like where he's like, you could choose the meditation colors and all of this. And so he was really, he, there's, there's just a countless amount of worlds because anybody can make a space and like, and they can make avatars or they can make games or make powers in it. So it does seem like endlessly uh, entertaining in that way. But also like I need a game to play. I need to, and I know there are mini golf courses and there are different things that I could jump in, but like, uh, you know, just meeting, going to clubs or going virtual clubs or doing all this weird stuff. I mean, it's a novelty for me, but I'll probably do it again because I had to log off a bit early. Like I want to check it out a little bit more, but I don't think I'm going to be playing it much, much more than that. I kind of wish I'd figured it, found it at the beginning of the pandemic, 
because um, I, I feel like it would be if you made a point like of hanging out with your friend, you're like, there's a great world or somebody makes a custom world. You could go into that world and like just hang out and it would feel not natural, but it would be a little bit better than say just doing a, a discord call or whatever. Um, so anyway, it, it was interesting, but I will, I will say like everything I said, and I, I know I come off maybe a bit positive on this. All it was was guys. Like all it's all it is is guys in anime girl costumes or whatever. It's not. There's no. It's not like a full representation of society. You know, like you're going in. It's the VR elite guys that are like, oh look, I designed a Spider Man world or whatever. And it, I mean, it is fun to mess around in there, but like it, it's not. You know, the conversations that I got from the people in the nightclub and in other places. Uh, before going in the Spider-Man world, a private instance with just Bo, I accidentally went into the public wor- world first, and there was a bunch of people, and I was like, "Oh, I hate this," you know. So, um, so definitely, I appreciate where you were coming from there earlier. Yeah, I I know. Um, I wish I had said this earlier because I feel like anyone listening to this is like, "Man, Ryan's such an old man hates new things," and uh, you know. It's it's not quite that. It's just I think that <laughs> actually now no matter what I say, it's going to make me sound like an uh, old man hates things. I would be interested in trying it. I think that um, and I know VR. It's weird to say this, but I know VR chat has like a non VR mode. So technically you could try it outside of VR. But like all of these options, um, all of these, you know, virtual worlds, the the metaverse that's being sort of talked about from from meta but um you know second life uh home on playstation all of those things like they kind of had the same issue when you're not playing with friends it it just feels it can sometimes feel it can sometimes feel empty it can sometimes feel like empty chaos uh but it sounds like vr chat it's also like it's also the idea of these like infinite worlds there's there's like everything that you can do there and to me that's just like both mind-boggling and a little scary at the same time and but it would be interesting to try because it sounds like Bo kind of has like a handle on it and he'd be a good guide having a guide is really uh, really helpful i and i appreciated that a lot because i mean I, I agree with what you're saying here and i do think though that like when you mention these other things like home and whatever this is the best of those like it's never been better like you're in vr you're in these virtual spaces that are created by people and like who build their own worlds of which you can choose to go to whichever one and they can build complicated mini games and things inside of their worlds different ways of interacting with them and like like it's like almost a vr platform beyond anything else and that is fascinating it definitely makes me wonder like in 10 years from now you know with with you know improved headsets improved like uh and more accessible design abilities if this just like blows up into something you know absolutely huge this type of thing like again because of all the homages, like everybody, you know, I'm going to make a Naruto or I'm going to make a whatever. It very much feels like ready player one's Oasis in that regard. Like um, players are, are, are doing a lot of this stuff themselves, but it, it's, it's really uh, the thing about it is you have to think if like, that's how you want to, you know, spend your gaming time or, or I, I tend to find when I play VR games, especially with my friends, 
there's when there are little social spaces like that, like the lobby in Lone Echo, like uh, what's um, what's the last game? Demio has like a basement, a, a, a basement of a comic shop, essentially where you is your lobby, and you can like shoot shoot like bows and arrows at a, a dartboard. I love those spaces, especially when you're with your friends. They they feel like they're trying to capture these these this feeling or whatever and while, while you get to, you know, interact and, and, and goof off with your buddies um, doing it with strangers. I'm not as, I'm not as high on uh, per se. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's, it's worth a check out. If you have a, if you have a, a, a VR headset, it's worth, it's worth just checking it out. That, said just be careful like i mean they, they, there's all sorts of signs that say like you know you can block people you can do this you can like they, they give you all in your welcome area that shows all the ways that you can customize your experience but i mean i think it's a pretty wild west type place and you would very much want to to block you know to block folks that are bothering you to like not maybe not see content that you would find objectionable or whatever i didn't go off the beaten path i just followed bo he laid down a portal he's like let's jump into it and it was always kind of exciting i'm like what world is am i gonna come into next you know yeah um, and so i did i did enjoy that a lot I'm, um i'm tempted to like here's the thing like i i would i would like to try uh, I would like to try it. So like next time you guys uh, give it a shot, let me know. Because again, like this might, you might say, you might jokingly say like, oh, that's a mistake. But, uh, but I do trust Bo. I trust Bo if he lays a portal down. Although now that I'm putting it out on a podcast and he's obviously going to hear that we talked about this, uh, he's probably like, oh, great. When Ryan plays, I'm going to like, we're going to go to. I'll take him to the brothel boat. <laughs> I, I heard these guys talking in the club about the brothel. Let's go to the sex brothel boat. I was like, Okay. Sex uh, boat. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, all right. This place is probably crazy. You know what I should do, Ryan? I should figure out how to code in Unity. And then I should make this this world where there's like um where there's like just this beautiful uh you know oasis of a backyard with a gorgeous oh, uh swimming pool in it. It's just like perfect and like there's all these chairs and stuff. And then like we we all we all go through it and I'm like, wow, like isn't this a cool chill space? And you're like, yeah, and, and and like look at all this, and you're looking around the area, and then there would be a button that I press, and then I press it, and then there's like a you hear like the sound of a truck backing up, and then a giant backhoe comes in and drops a pile of dirt in the pool and just like starts plowing it over, and then it ends up just being a flat flat space uh and then and, and there's the deck chairs around it ryan's like what happened to the pool i'm like i'm sorry ryan we filled it in it was a safety hazard in vr and then and, and then uh i press another button and and, and there i'm like don't worry we'll build another pool and we build a smaller above ground pool on top of where it filled in i could make all that ha if i was good enough coding i could make that happen i mean i'm sure there's it's it's <laughs> vr chat i mean it's infinite worlds um I'm like, Bo, I got a job for you. I need you to code a pool and then uh, make it so that I can destroy it right after in front of Ryan Murphy's eyes. And we'll take him there uh, in our VR tour. But now I've spoiled it. Like I should have saved that to myself. And then what would have been good too is we go to like four different worlds first and then we go to that one. And you just think it's one of the worlds. And then you're like, what's it, what's the magic of this world? And then all of a sudden it's a pool getting built in. Oh, I love it so much. Damn, I wish I hadn't ruined it. All right, no, your turn. That's fine. 
Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. Um, I've got uh, a quick recommendation. It shouldn't surprise anybody, but a new Marvel show is concluded. Ryan has watched it. Uh, Miss Marvel, uh, six episodes. It's it's all it's all done. It's all wrapped up on Disney Plus, and Ashley and I both really really enjoyed it. You know, um, as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with the Marvel characters outside of like the traditional uh, characters that get you know, the limelight, like the Iron Man, the Captain America, the Spider-Man. Miss um, Marvel is a, is a character I don't know a whole lot about, uh, except for when she was added or was heavily featured in the Avengers video game. That's how I know her too, actually. Yeah. So when the show uh, was announced, I was like, oh, perfect. This is great. Because I, I she was one of the best things about that Avengers video game. And... Um, so yeah, I was really excited about the TV show and the TV show is great. I think like uh, it really helps establish this character within the MCU. It brings her into the MCU like it's it is delightful. Like she the 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 actress who plays uh, Miss Marvel uh, turns out she's Canadian. She's uh, from just outside of Toronto, actually. Um, and uh, she's fantastic. She is just so energetic as Kamala Khan and like everybody in that show is great. And uh, it's actually funny because there was another actor in it. Um, the guy who plays the the friend, um, Bruno, I think his name is Bruno. Uh, but he uh, he he was up for Spider-Man. He was actually originally supposed to be Spider-Man. It's Matt uh, Lintz, I think his name is. And he um, he he was supposed to be he was up for Spider-Man. I think he lost it to uh, obviously to Tom Holland. Um, but I was trying to remember where he's from. Like he looks so familiar. And then I remembered he was from the walking dead. He played Henry on the walking dead. Uh, so that was fun, a fun little realization, but yeah, it was, it's such a great series. It's all, it's all there. Six episodes. Um, for the most part, there's at least at the beginning, there's not this connection to the overall MCU, like kind of like moon Knight. It kind of exists outside of the overarching story however we all know that miss marvel she is going to be appearing again in the captain marvel sequel the marvels so you know at some point they're gonna have to connect it um but there is like a a really they bring in the damage uh the department of damage control uh and there's a one of the characters from far from home uh no not far from home no way home uh shows up in this one bit part in uh no way home he's he plays one of the main agents that's like interrogating um peter parker and then he shows oh, up as, right. yeah yeah i yeah. remember and he's like a main he's like a main character in this one and he he's he's kind of like uh he's kind of like the good guy within the department of damage control like not the good guy but he's he's more playing like the department head and he's very upset with uh with the way things go down um there's a couple of characters and the department of damage control is clearly the like one of the bad guys in the show, but he, uh, as the department head is Is that not like, is that not in Spider-Man homecoming when, when Vulture is like, like in, in the opener, like he's, he's leading a construction crew or whatever, cleaning up after the battle of New York. And then some folks come in and Bigfoot him and say like, we're taking all of this or we're, is that yeah. not damage control then? Yeah, that is the Department of Damage Control. So introduced after Avengers as part of um, Homecoming, 
And then I think they kind of sideline for a bit and then they come back uh, in Far From Home. They're kind of set up, not Far From Home, sorry, I keep, again, this is the problem with Far From Home and No Way Home. They're just too similar uh, in terms of subtitles, but clearly different movies. Uh, And uh, that'll be, that's a foreshadowing right there. But um, yeah, like the the Department of Damage Control comes back in to play with No Way Home, kind of just uh, arrests Peter Parker in that film. Um, but then they are they they play a bigger role in in Miss Marvel. But like I'll say this, like I'm obviously the internet has um, like all these films. Like anytime they have a connection to the overarching MCU, there are like four or five articles after like the second the episode airs, someone's got like here are the five things you need to know about how blah 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 blah. And I'm not gonna spoil it here. I'm. Um, and of course, like if you avoided those articles, then, you know, good for you. You lasted the three days that those articles are usually top of the page of any, what is supposed to be video game websites like Polygon and and IGN. Um, that's where I usually go for video game news. And of course, most of it is, uh, is, is not video game news. Uh, but obviously I like to read those articles after, after I've seen it to kind of like get more information, but there is like a connection to the overarching MCU, a fairly large uh, connection. Um, But again, like it's not something you'll see paid off until the Marvels uh, next year, if not later on uh, when more TV series get announced. That being said, San Diego Comic-Con is this weekend. It's like heralded as the return of Marvel. They're coming back. They're doing like three or four different panels. So there will likely be news uh coming out of those there will be because they haven't they haven't announced like last time they were at comic con they essentially announced everything that we know now to be released yeah. minus like blade and a couple of other things but but um yeah they, they they sort of need to start outlining what's coming next so i i expect they will i will say that like i've heard nothing but good things about this miss marvel show uh, including that there was there is some sort of surprise connection or importance of of note to the larger marvelness um and i know i know that that there is this marvel malaise going around right now and uh i definitely have it um so which is which is that uh, you know the the thor love and thunder movie came out and that was the one where i thought i was like oh i'll go see that one and i still might because uh, i think it'll be fun and a good time or what have you um, but the reviews, you know, came in and they weren't, it, it's not like Ragnarok 2.0, supposedly it not as good or whatever, you know, and, and, and a lot of it is like, what a lot of it is more like, what is the point? What is the overarching point of phase four? There's all these, there's all these bits and bobs end game provided an end to this world. And it's like, it continues going as it does in the comic books. I've consumed a lot of the phase four shows and just different things. And yes, I might come back for like a Loki season two or whatever because I've, I'm invested in that. But I did not watch Moon Knight. It's clear now I am not going to. There's other shows I would rather watch. I, I have not miss, watched Miss Marvel. I don't think I will watch it. I have not watched Hawkeye. I do not think I will watch it. <laughs> it's the Dr. Seuss of an ear. Uh, I, I'm like three shows behind. I'm three shows behind. I haven't seen Doctor Strange in the Ma- Multitude of Madness. It's now on Disney Plus. I have not seen Thor: uh, Love or Thunder, and I have not seen Black Widow. Um, all of which wow. are like Phase Phase Four or the Eternals or Shang Chi. Like I oh. have 
Shang Chi is really I, good. You should watch that uh, one you know, for sure. It, I think I think that I I that one that is one that I think that because it could be a movie night and that's one that I I feel would stand on its own and and so forth and so on. But uh, they're like really my my face and I you know I telegraphed it a little bit. I said when Spider Man No Way Home comes out, I'm going to want to watch that for sure. I did, um, but but the other ones just it's not I I don't. I'm not feeling it, Ryan, and I, I just I, at this point, like it would have to be something you know big to get me back. Um, I, I think that I'm just like there's just too much Marvel, and none of it is important, and none of it is uh, you know draw you know drawing my attention uh, because it's there's no you know larger larger plot where things are being woven together and even in terms of characters that i'm i'm really like i they, they want me to meet new characters now like they want me to meet moon knight they want me to meet miss marvel and i have no doubt that i may enjoy them if i if i meet them but it, it's it's just late in the game here for somebody that's been around since the beginning so uh, yeah i think i'm at least on a marvel break i think is what it may you know and that doesn't mean i won't dive back in and i'm familiar enough with it that i'm not going to feel alienated uh, oh yeah jumping into the next thing but yeah it's just tv on the subject of tv have you ever heard of this show abbott elementary no i haven't so abbott elementary is um this is funny it's it is funny because it's just like one of those things where if i i've had my like the cord i've been a cord cutter for so long that i forget TV and advertisements and like what are popular shows on actual TV as opposed to on Netflix or on whatever. Like, uh, so Abbott Elementary air has was airing on TV. It's like now, now is it, it got renewed for a second season. Um, and it's essentially in style. What it is, is it's a mockumentary a la The Office, Parks and Rec. Um, what are, what are some other, uh, notable there's another one that i'm modern family obviously there's a there's another one that i'm forgetting that i think it is most like but but um but but it's set in an elementary school in um in philadelphia and it's an under it's you know like it's strapped in cat it's it's majoritarily black neighborhood strapped on on cash uh and uh and it's about the teachers and the and the the principal and how they, you know, make the school work. And the lead character, who is also the actress who plays her, is also the creator of the show. She is um, that that like super enthusiastic. I'm going to make a difference, young teacher. And then of course, there's you know the jaded older teacher who who is obviously cares a lot, uh, but knows that there's some things that cannot be changed or that whatever whatever. There's um, you know there's the woke young guy who's like really you know trying to be a good ally and everything and and uh, then there's the substitute and like all the all these different different characters that work in that office type thing where they they're doing the the testimonials talking to the camera um then you know there's the teacher's lounge and and all of this and uh and it's just so it's just super enjoyable show it's like it's not only is it reviewed well, people seem to be ha- have taken to it. Uh, the first season is on Disney Plus in Canada under the Stars tab. Uh, the the Star, I, I'm not sure if that's the same as to where it would be streamable in the states, but I just find it like it's a great show to watch. 
as a couple, uh, like, you know, it, it, it appeals to, it's got, it, it's funny, but there's like, they're dealing with some, some issues. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is another show that is, while not a documentary, um, it has that like same, what it's doing with a police station to a, to an elementary school type, type feel with the same sort of like broad characters that are, that are also kind of real and feel, feel fun to hang out with. And so, yeah, it's only it like the first season's only 13 episodes. So it's not like one of those major 24 episode seasons they are 22 minutes each, which Jess and I just finished stranger things, which was the other show I remembered. I, I wanted, I had wanted to talk about, but, um, which is amazing, but very long, as we've talked about before. And so these 22-minute bite size, but we always end up watching like two. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's clear it's clear that we we enjoy the show and would want even more of it. But, yeah, I give it a big recommend Abbott Elementary. If if you if you haven't heard about it, it's on Stars. You and Ashley would, would enjoy it for sure. It's not like – while there are serial serialized elements, like it's got, you know, a will they, won't they type type romance, like very, very much like cookie cutter in that regard. It's like, you know, just very lightly strewn across. You, you don't need to watch any episode really in any order too much. Like there is a flow to it, but it's not, it's not like you're not watching it for the ongoing plot between the characters it's like the early seasons of all those shows like the office and all of those where it's like mostly the episodes are self-contained um but there are little bits that continue from one episode to another so yeah anyway really great show cool no that's interesting um it's it's something that uh ashley and i are always looking for for new shows um to check out it and right now there are a lot of like shows that are returning it's actually kind of crazy how many shows have been sort of back this summer with uh finishing off stranger things we watched like the first 20 minutes of uh the new umbrella academy season where i kind of like i don't know like we can probably wait to watch this but we have nothing else let's check it out we watched the first 20 minutes and immediately we're just like okay we better stop or else we're <laughs> we're gonna be exhausted the next day because um we're this is this is getting kind of late but uh you know, um, only murders in the building is back. I don't know if you've uh, have you returned to that because I know you were skeptical about a season two. I I while I remain somewhat skeptical uh, of a season two, uh, we definitely are going to watch only murders in the building. The thing is, is that we know that not all the episodes are out yet, and we also sort of feel like. You know, if we can with with this wealth of TV that we've got going on, and we're also interested in the Umbrella Academy, um, and with Stranger Things, and with Obi Wan, none of which is finished. Like uh, aside from uh, that, that we have finished, other than um, Stranger Things, uh, we just I just feel like let's wait for Only Murders in the Building. Um, and, and the longer we wait, the more episodes we'll have out. But it's also on Stars in the Disney Plus section, and so I went and I checked on it yesterday when we were watching uh the show i just was like what episode are they and they've got like five episodes of season two released so i'm like oh you know like i think there's only eight episodes in the season so we're, well, by the time we sit down to watch it i think they'll be close to having all eight out and that will be that will be fun because i remember we were watching it to week to week and we were like oh it'd be really good to have an episode of that show you know yeah well i i i mean we're fully caught up with only murders in the building. And I will say like they, um, I, they, they earned the season two. 
I feel like it works. It works. But again, like a lot of people this week have said like, oh, surprise, surprise. Ryan really likes something. I mean, like I enjoy liking the things I like. So um, maybe I'm I'm overly positive on Only Murders in the Building season two, but I really enjoy it. What's the Internet's consensus on it right now? Is it is it being well received or are you an outlier liking it? I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like, is it? bad when well here's uh, that's a great question i feel like when the internet enjoys something they're over the moon about it and when the internet hates something they are just they hate it it's the worst thing ever there's no in between and i feel like like the first season of only murders in the building everyone was singing from the rooftops i've not heard a peep about season two to be honest um i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing it's probably just a okay thing like i we've talked about this before it's fine if something is 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 just good but i find like you know stranger things is all over the place because it was just so great it was amazing everyone was all about it but only murders in the building season two i feel like it's it's just kind of existing which is fine i I don't know like i don't I, i have not heard a peep about it yeah, you can only surprise folks once, even if it was of equal quality to the first season. You you know you can only surprise folks once. They'll enjoy if they enjoyed season one, they'll enjoy season two. But uh, that's why Abbott Elementary is like I don't want to say it's my new only murders in the building, but it's it is the nice surprise for me of this year. Does it reinvent the wheel? No. Uh, does it do what it's trying to do well? Yes. And I'd say one thing it does uh, quite neatly is that it it. Uh, you know, it allows you to have, you know, it, it it's a sitcom, right? So there's the A plot, the B plot, whatever, with these characters. <clears throat> Excuse me. And some of those plots are like very much token plots, like or, or plots that you've seen in every sitcom. Like one recently was like one of the teachers is like a divorce. And it's like, oh, you got to get back in the dating game. And is she going to – but she has no confidence and another teacher's encouraging her her to ask out this guy like that could be done in any show right but then almost every episode there is one plot normally the a plot that is specifically could only have been done in an elementary school like the last they had an episode where they wanted to start a gifted program in the school and how that made some kids feel like you know the ones that were considered gifted or not gifted another another episode where the food at the high school at the elementary school cafeteria is not good enough and so some of the teachers kind of step on the cafeteria staff uh, feet as they try to like contribute you know food or whatever uh another one is as simple like the, the pilot episode is as simple as one of the kids pees on the rug and uh the and they need new rugs uh, and it's like the spot where they sit down and have circle time and all of this, and they just don't have money for them and they need to get money for the rugs. And the principal is really kind of inept and she spends money in dumb ways. And like, they have to sort of corral her and all this. So that's what it, what is refreshing about the show is like, it's funny, but it still offers this commentary on the underfundedness of the schools and it tackles subject matter that you wouldn't necessarily get in other sitcoms. You know, it's the same, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you, you'll have episodes that deal with them or plots that deal with them being cops. And then there's plots that could be any workplace comedy show. Right. And, and so it's this, it's the same uh, in that regard. It's very much, it's a good show. Uh, might 
one day become an absolutely great show, like, you know, an office season two, season three type deal, but not, not quite there yet. Um, it, but it's very much worth the watch. So I think that is a good one. And Ryan, we are way, I don't know what time it is, but we should probably change some diapers. Yes, it is time to head over to the diaper table, uh, change some diapers and discuss the last three weeks that have taken place. And, uh, I'll kick us off. Um, you know, we had Canada Day here in Canada and of course there's been Independence Day in the States. So a big long weekend, the first long weekend, I think of the summer that really, it, it always hit home for me when I was a kid, like Canada Day long weekend meant like, okay, okay summertime we're here two months of of fun it's gonna be great and um for our canada day and i made sure to write this down in my notes so i have a little like notes app that i'll sometimes oh i want to talk about this because like crofton said it's very easy to forget uh kind of what you've done but um in this case with canada day we had a full day of fun we went strawberry picking with the family uh, Ashley and the kids made jam at her grandparents with, with the jam. But, um, we actually went out, uh, I think it was, um, it was, so we're in Peterborough, but we went out closer to the 401, which I think it's either, yeah, it would be Port, I think it's Port Perry. Uh, anyways, we went to this place called Primitive Designs, which, uh, might not ring a bell for, for most folks, but it is, they are famous for their Optimus Prime that they uh, have crafted from average day metal parts. Um, And this whole place is set up like it's free to go in. You, you walk, the kids loved it because of course there's all these giant metal sculptures that are made. A lot of dinosaurs, uh, a lot of ornate sort of uh, dragons. And there's actual setups of like this giant squid taking on this, uh, this, this boat and, it was great. Like I said, it was free to enter. There's a bunch of donation buckets all over the place. And of course we did donate cause it was just like the kids absolutely loved it, but it was like in the same area and I drive by it all the time. You know, if we're heading to the 401 or whatever, sometimes we'll take that route and it's like, you drive by it and you hear of, uh, it, it's actually funny. Cause we were, I remember we went to PI once and one of their statues was actually at the park that we went to. So like they sell these designs all over the place and and uh, and they're kind of like these cool giant sculptures that you you see um, all around and they they sell them for like these tourist attractions and stuff. But this is their actual factory where they put these things together and they just had so many of these really awesome designs and uh, we just had a great time visiting and they had like a they had like a Game of Thrones Iron Throne that they had made so the kids could get up on it and we could take pictures. So I have a whole bunch of pictures of that and we just had a really great time. It was, it was fun. And, um, we actually, uh, <laughs> at the time we were like, are we going to regret this? But, um, we, we let the kids go to bed at like seven o'clock, their normal bedtime. But then we woke Caden and Abby up at like nine o'clock and Ashley took them, uh, downtown to the, uh, free concert, we have a free concert series here in Peterborough um, and they start on Canada day. So there was a concert and then fireworks. So Caden and Abby got to about a two hour nap, woke up, were woken up. Uh, Caden was all for it. Once he realized like, Oh, it's time to get up for the fireworks. Uh, but Abby was not having it. it. Took her a while to roll out of bed. 
but took them down to the fireworks and they saw the concert, watched the fireworks, got back around like 10, 1030 and they went right back to sleep. But they had a great time. So it was a fun, uh, it was a fun candidate. I think, I think next year, like I think Caden will be, I said to Ashley, like, I mean, might as well just let Caden stay up. He would probably be fine to stay up, but you know, Abby wasn't, Abby was not too happy about being woken up and, and they did both want to like before they went to bed, but it's a different story when they've, uh, they've fallen asleep. So, but they had a, they had a really great candidate. We had a lot of fun, uh, exploring and stuff. So, um, did you end up doing some fun stuff for Canada? I know that was a while ago, but I imagine like, you know, you had long weekend plans, man. I'm trying to, I, I feel like we had a good Canada day, but I can't quite remember everything. We like, it was before COVID we were, I I'm pretty sure like we also went strawberry picking, but it wasn't on Canada day. Um, man. Yeah. It's funny. I, it's escaping me here. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I, I definitely got been, you know, brain wiped by the past couple of weeks, which have been rough. Um, and um, the weather has been nice. Like you know, uh, summertime is the best, which uh, is is fair for sure. But even we've been kind of isolated to our house lately. And even then we have fortunate to have quite, quite a nice backyard. So we'd be out there and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I can't remember really what, what we did for Canada day, Ryan. I, I will say that um, in terms of like what I teased off the top of stuff that I've been up to with the kids, it's been like trying to keep them entertained. And I'm really feeling the age difference between Claire and Gwen. Claire, like the Claire is a four year old and, uh, she is very much um, high energy, really fun. She's into imagination play, which is fun. Uh, but she, Gwen is now old enough as a seven, almost eight year old to be able to do a lot of stuff. Like, and it's fun um, to do stuff with her. But like when, when you have both of the kids or when we have both the girls, I feel bad sometimes because like I could be doing the, you know, fun thing with Gwen, like playing this involving video game or watching this thing, this movie or, or playing board games lately. We've been playing some board games and it's difficult for Clara. Uh, and I, I do feel badly about that. Cause I know that I have a tendency to want to do something with Gwen or Gwen wants to do something with me because I'm a big kid and we'll play these things together. So board game wise, um, we've been playing these two board games uh, that, that we bought one Gwen bought with her allowance called guess who, which is like a timeless game that I think you do. You, do you remember ever playing guess who when you were a kid? Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's the one with you flip down the faces, you know, yeah. on, on, on the board. And like, for those of you who, who don't remember guess who is like really you both, both players is two players. You both get a panel of faces Um and then you each draw a card and you have to guess what's on the other person's card by asking yes or no people and the, uh, questions and then flipping down the faces. So, for instance, are they a, a boy? Are they wearing a hat? Are they Do they have blue eyes or whatever? And as you flip them down, uh, you're left with, um, you know, the last one and then you guess, right? And um, so Gwen loved, bought this game with her own allowance money and loves the, the game. And I honestly, it is it, it is really fun. But Clara, as the four-year-old, has been able to play this one. And I would recommend it to anyone in terms of a kid's game 
uh, or a game that even they can play with their grandparents. Is, like, I, I think I thought this game was kind of gimmicky when I was a kid. Like, I'd see the ads on TV. I was, like, playing other games. I just thought it was a gimmick. But it's really well – like, it makes kids use their observational skills. It makes them come up with interesting questions. Like, when – it's very easy to 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 like go go to the same questions. Are they wearing glasses? Are they? Wear- Gwen will find like new ways to ask questions to shorten things down. Clara is able to to often guess guess the people. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's really fun and it's not expensive. It's like twenty five bucks Canadian. You can buy it. You have to put the little pictures of the people in. But whatever, it's it it it's pretty good. Um, I would say Ryan for you if you guys don't already have guess who which you may very well like for me you you would at least get Caden and abigail on guess who and like isabel might be a little young but like it won't be long like as i say clara's four and she's doing it yeah we uh we actually uh have guess who and i know Caden uh really got into it i think the the first time you suggested it we uh we were enjoying it so yeah no we we have it and um Abigail was getting into it too, and I and I totally understand where you're coming from in that, you know, you have you have the 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 age differences, and I'm even I'm definitely experiencing that between Isabel and Caden and Isabel and Abigail, um, but I'm even still experiencing it between Abigail and Caden sometimes. Uh, although Caden and Abigail have certainly come together recently more in terms of their interests. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there are opportunities this summer where like tomorrow, Abby or Izzy will go to daycare, but Caden and Caden and Abby aren't in any camps or anything. So I took the day off and, and we'll be able to go do stuff like, for example, we'll, we're like I said, we we're planning to go to the movies. Uh, that's not something we can do with with Izzy just yet. Um, and obviously Izzy naps. So when she's napping, we're we're stuck inside the house making sure she's OK. So like there are little things like that, but you're right. Like there are even like games and, and such that, you know, they would have no interest in, uh, like Izzy would have no, in- like Izzy, like Pokemon cards, Pokemon cards come out. Izzy's all over them. You know, if you're not careful, you can say gu- goodbye to your favorite Pikachu. Okay. Yeah. All over them in, in like, she will just like, she's not all over them in the, I want to play with them. She's all over them in the, I want to destroy them type thing. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like, and Gwen isn't, while Gwen isn't into Pokemon, like I could, I could totally see that being a, a struggle between that, her and Clara. Like one, one thing I will say is Gwen learned a lesson about destroying stuff. Cause she was playing with one of the guess who characters, like she, the cards, she'd like bent it in her hand. And I said, don't bend, I said, don't bend the card because the worst thing you can do is now I know what that card is. Like I, the one with the crease in the middle is this one guy. And so if your card has a crease in the middle, I know immediately who you have. So she's ruined that guy for the game just by damaging that card. And, uh, and she realized that now she now knows that. And so she, she's being careful not to damage any of the other cards. Right. Um, the other game that we're, we've been playing as a board game. And this is the one, like, I mean, I had heard tell of this game and I thought that it would be a good, good fit, but I know it's a newer game. It's called King of Tokyo. Have you ever heard of or played King of Tokyo? No, I've, I've actually never heard of this one. Okay, so King of Tokyo um, was made by the guy who made uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, and he's like, I guess, a famous designer beyond Magic. 
gave him the license to do a bunch of board games. So in like 2011, he created this board game, which won, I think the kids or whatever board game of the year that year um, and has gotten expansions and just different things. It is just like that perfect balance between complexity um, and fun. And that is, it's like one of those ones where you could have kids together and adults and everybody would be having a good time. You know, I would say it's about the same complexity as Catan Jr., but uh, Catan Jr. doesn't have any reading, and this one does because there's cards uh, and they give powers. And essentially, the I, I won't go into the details too much of how the game works. Nobody wants to hear the the details how you play a board a board game on a podcast. But but the the goal of the game is like you play as a monster. Um, and uh, you have to, uh, it's like inspired by like Godzilla, Mothra type stuff. Uh, so you would like it, uh, not, it's definitely not inspired from the 1990s Godzilla. It's more like, uh, so that might be a deal breaker for you, but it's like, it's more like animated uh, drawings in the style of these characters. Um, and the and the idea is that you need to either uh, be the last monster standing or get 20 destruction points victory points or whatever um and uh and you roll these these dice and everything it's an expensive game like it was like 65 bucks canadian the dice are like really like well like well-made dice and they 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 have hearts to give you back health or they or they have um you know monster claws if you're doing an attack and they have like and, and then you've got to like mix your roles to sort of control your move and then you're you either got to choose to do damage and try to take over tokyo or or to heal your guy or to get money you can roll for money and then you can buy cards with them and those cards give you a little boost or allow you to heal or to whatever so it's it's just got a nice crunchy level of complexity and gwen and i like i enjoyed a lot and gwen likes it too and uh it, it, you can play up five six players like it could it could ramp up pretty quick and we played it once with jess as well and she really enjoyed it too she sometimes plays it with with gwen but three players um is great uh and it's yeah it's just a great game like and there's supposedly these expansions and and different things i think it would be really fun even to play with the guys it's like a a nerd night type game because games are like you know 30 30 minutes pretty much uh and i'd say they're faster when you're just two players so yeah king of tokyo really fun board game for kids adults and like i mean i think it'd make a great present if you were looking for 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 um for like a bit of an older kid like again they say eight years old on the box i think you get like gwen is seven she handles it no problem uh i i, I think if you if you have somebody you know late six early seven that is pretty they, they won't be able to read the cards necessarily but the parents can do that right so anyway great game cool yeah no i i think from a board game perspective uh Catan jr was a big hit so again like you know your recommendations have been spot on so far, so I'll uh, I'll have to add King of Tokyo to the wish list because uh, Kaden will love it. Yeah, like okay. he, he'll, but he might just if he can handle uh, Katan Junior, he can handle this. Like I think, even though the age is higher uh, for me, Katan Junior is a pretty like you got to make these trades, you got to figure out the formulas, you got to uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in Katan Junior, you know. Uh, I, I think if a kid can handle that, they can handle King of Tokyo. Yeah. No, they've been, uh, Katan Jr., even Abigail's gotten into it too. She really enjoys it. 
Um, so I think like, uh, yeah, we're, we're due up for another board game. Um, we've been like, we've been, we've been struggling with the kids, like not having an interest in, in their toys. And I think it is just a matter of like, we don't, we don't really refresh the toys very often. It's been a while since the kids have kind of gotten like a new, you know, kid, kids tastes evolve. Like, uh, obviously Paw Patrol was huge and then PJ Masks was huge, but now the kids don't watch or engage with Paw Patrol or, or PJ Masks whatsoever anymore. Um, I think we need to like get more blocks. I'd love to get more Lego for Caden and Abby because they would really enjoy that. But again, it goes back to the whole destruction uh, phase that, that Izzy is in. Um, she, she loves to just destroy, but, um, we've, we've had a big hit with, uh, I don't know if you've ever played with like kinetic sand. It's just really weird stuff where it's, it's sand, but it kind of like connects together. Like it's kinetic. It's, it's always like, it, it kind of feels like, uh, it's almost like electrically charged and it kind of, you know, well, it sticks together and you can kind of like make, you know, shapes and stuff out of it. All the kids really enjoy it. It's this like great sensory thing where they can just all we have like three bins of it. They all sit at the table and they'll all play with it. It makes it a freaking mess. Of course, like what I do is like I say to them, any bits that any small bits that land on the floor, they get vacuumed up. So obviously, like by the end of, you know, our play session of over two years, I'm sure like they'll be down to nothing. But uh, it makes a bit of a mess. But the kids really like it um, in terms of like, oh, can I play with the kinetic sand? But uh, board games, yeah, I need to. I need to get it. We need to get a redo up for a new board game. I feel like. I, I um, no, I hear that. That kinetic sand is interesting. I've seen it in stores, and I've seen different. Uh, you know, we've never, we've never got it, but I bet Clara would dig that. Oh, she would love it. Yeah, it. Uh, Izzy plays with it. Abby plays with it. Caden plays with. It. They all love it. Um, you can get kits of it that come with little toys and stuff. But honestly, like. You know, like measuring spoons, um, small cups, those work really well with it because you can kind of like smash it into um, specific shapes. Like there are these like, uh, well, like you you go to the beach, you take like the star shapes and, and the seashell shapes and you can kind of make them into things. You can build like perfect sandcastles with the stuff like it is it is really cool. And honestly, to go out and buy like two sets of it, one for Gwen and one for Clara, like it is the perfect you know, daddy just needs to make lunch. You two just play with this stuff, have a great time. And hopefully it doesn't end up in your lunch, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but it's, it, it is a really cool, like sort of, um, you know, spend some quiet time with yourself building out whatever, whatever creation pops into your head. And you'll see these three kids play with this kinetic sand. They'll all do something different with it. So it is, it is very cool. Highly recommended. Speaking of highly recommended, I, I will say that one thing that I like to your point about the, you know, needing new toys basting based on evolving children's interests. Like I'm, you know, I can't watch the same movies and crap over and over again with the kids or shows over and over again. But when we're home with COVID, it's like we, you know, I just, I just needed them to watch crap. And so uh, I, I I was like, well, let's cycle through some of the old Disney movies on Disney plus. Cause we have all this stuff and they're kind of older. Now Clara is brave for her age and not getting traumatized easy. And Gwen is, is ready for a lot of the stuff. So she started going through the Disney movies. And I know last time we did this, I think 
I, I mentioned like I definitely Aladdin. I'm not sure if we got into the Lion King at the time, but um, it's always the same thing where we put it on and Gwen will be like, I don't want to watch this movie um, because she doesn't know what it is. Then she will be enraptured by it. Clara will want to watch it desperately and then watch it for about 40 minutes, which is not bad, and then drop, but then ask for it repeatedly for the next few days. She'll be like, can we watch The Lion King? Can we watch The Lion King? Generally, the second time she'll watch a full movie through, it's very odd. She generally drops 45 minutes into her first watch. Um, but yeah, so we we had a big thing of The Lion King there for a while. Like It was like a solid week of lots of The Lion King. Um, and then I was like, oh, geez, what else can what else can we watch here? And we watched uh, The Little Mermaid because we'd watched Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. And, and uh, so I was like, wow, we missed The Little Mermaid. And I was always concerned about it because I felt that it didn't I, – I hadn't seen it for a long time. But just the story seemed like, you know, girl falls in love with a boy that she can't even talk to and then gives away all her powers and everything so that she can be with the boy. It sounded like, I was like, I don't know if I want my daughters to see this. So we started watching it. We did watch it and they didn't care for it. They were like, the, nobody's asked for it again. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Cause when I did watch it, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, but it was, was definitely not super great, but uh, I then started getting caught up in some of the newer movies, like the CG movies that we had missed. And the two I just wanted to mention really quickly were uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which came out last year, right before Encanto. Encanto kind of ate its lunch. Uh, and uh, I, I will say Raya and the Last Dragon, and I don't want to be like – like it's it's tough to be like – you know, you don't want to be one of these woke warriors where like, oh, Disney and all their wokeness. Uh, but like they, they are on a run. Like it is very clear from the, you know, the Moanas to Raya, uh, you know, in the Pacific to Raya in Eastern sort of Vietnam and all of this. Um, and uh, in Canto and Colombia and like, you know, turning red. Like it's, you know, it's not exactly a big secret that they're trying to add more diversity based on the fact that their previous movies were lacking in it quite considerably. I would say of all those movies I named, Raya and the Last Dragon is the least interesting one. And I found it was just like, it, it's, an, it's an action adventure. So if you like good choreographed action, there's some good fight scenes in it that are kid appropriate, like, like borderline. Like I, I would say like, if you don't want your kid to be exposed to any violence, well, there's going to be violence in this, but generally it's still got the Disney sort of cute stuff, villains, like good side character in this cartoony dragon or whatever. Um, but I just felt that the story, it was very much like a video game. Like it's a gem that gets shat shattered pieces. They have to get each piece from it. They got to bring everybody together. Uh, I just felt like with the lore, and everything, it was kind of cumbersome. And anyway, uh, the girls liked it. It's a beautiful, visually just sumptuous, like sumptuous uh, on our, our 4K OLED. Just looks amazing. It's the first movie that when I saw upstairs on our, our 1080p TV, they were watching it up there at one point, And I walked by and I was like, man, this looks considerably less good as downstairs. So it's really benefits from that, that extra oomph. Uh, have you seen Ryan the Last Dragon? Yeah, it's um, it's one that we watched when it came to Disney Plus, uh, right off the bat, and uh, I, I think we had the same approach. Like, 
the kids enjoyed watching it, but it doesn't have that um, repeat watch. It was no Encanto, right? No. Yeah, there's no, I mean, like, just from the standpoint of, like, there's um, there's no songs, there's no, there's no singing in this one, which I think is a departure for That's the true. in-house Disney animations. It doesn't make it a worse film. I think it's just, it's... I think it's geared to a little bit of an older audience. It's still it's still for kids, but I think it's still geared to like an older, like a young adult audience as opposed to a kid yeah, audience. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I agree with that. Like a little bit older for sure. I I just didn't think it was as. And the lesson it's it's le- big lesson is about trust, um, and, and trusting people and humans need to trust each other. But that message was very disjointed throughout the movie. Gwen was trying to recap it at one point to me hilariously where she was like, I think this movie was about you got to trust people that you know, but don't trust strangers. And I was like, I don't think that's the message they're going for, but I understand why you got there. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so, so it's just, there's a, there's a lot of that to it. So the other movie a CG movie that I just wanted to draw attention to because there is this, uh, it, it's gotten a follow-up show on Disney plus just released like a micro episode show. Uh, but the movie is called big hero six. And to me, it seems right up Ryan Murphy's alley. I'm wondering, have you ever seen this movie before? It is so funny that you have this here because Caden loves this movie. And I also love this movie. It is, uh, it's a great movie. It's so good. It's so good. I was just like, I was a little like, um, like surprised because I knew of this movie. I knew it was like, I knew there was like a Marvel connection. I knew there was like, it was, uh, you know, I I knew of it, but I guess I just thought it was like, you know, the, the Encantos and the Frozens, they break through and they're the, even Moana, they're, they're like these big notable films. And this one was one like it was in a time where like it came out th- when Gwen was one year old, right? So I didn't have a kid that was old enough. It was like a kid's movie. I knew I would be dealing with kids' movies down the line. I never watched it. Uh, and so I watched, I, I we watched it and I was into it, Ryan. Like I was like, shh, shh, shh kids quiet quiet like i'm trying to i i i was into the um and yes it's very spider-man-y in many beats um uh, so that obviously makes makes a lot a lot of sense but uh yeah for those who don't know it's essentially a science fiction story a little bit in the future but it's at its core a superhero story about uh, a kid and that comes together with like a robot and other folks to to develop a team it also deals very much with uh, the death of a character and uh, the impacts of, of mourning and that on, on a child, which can be powerful themes for your kid that they might not be ready for, which I totally get. Uh, both my kids are in the sense that one is too young to really get it. And the other one is old enough to be able to handle it. So we're, so we, so we watched it. And um, it, one of the main side characters is this robot 
who is like a medical robot. And uh, there's a lot of humor that's generated off this robot needing to treat people, even if they don't want to get treated and all that. And uh, very cute robot as well that pe people like. But the whole story, it's funny. It's visually amazing still to this day. And yeah, we just really enjoyed it. And we watched it. And Clara, for some reason, is like, I want to see the big hero movie again. I want to see. She's asked for it all the time. Um, there's two TV shows that came off of it. One is an animated series on Disney Plus that just follows the events of the movie. Um, it's it's a cartoon, like it's not a CG animated one. So in the movie, it's, you know, not a big spoiler, but a superhero team comes together, but they don't really go on any adventures. It's like them coming together and there is an evil villain and all of that. But this, there's a TV show that has episodes of like, you know, them going on adventures. And my daughter Gwen is really into that, which I think is great. And the other show, which just came out on Disney Plus, which is funny because you wonder, like, it just came out like two weeks ago. It's called Baymax. It has to do with that robot I mentioned. And it's like just like six episodes of about 10 minutes each of Baymax trying to help people, which is awesome. But the original movie came back and came out in 2014. So if you watched it when you were 2014 and when you were like seven, you know, like now you're, I don't, I'm not good at math, but way older than that. Would you still be interested in this Baymax show? This Baymax show is very much for people that are just happened to be watching Big Hero 6 now, which is me and my family. So it works out really well uh, for us because we were able to go right into it and they enjoy watching that as well. So the big winner has been Big Hero 6 for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny at the top of the show, and I need to mention this because someone else will, you were saying how uh, you were uh, all marveled out. That's a Marvel movie right there, like straight up adapted from a Marvel comic. It was um, it was actually like when Disney acquired Marvel, uh, they let their animation studio basically say, like, we got Marvel now. What do you guys want to make? And they adapted Big Hero 6. It's obviously not in the same vein as like, you know, the Iron Man's and the Captain America's, but it is its own Marvel comic. Uh, I remember that being a big story when it, when it got adapted. And, um, but that being said, like it is it is its own thing. And uh, the it's funny. Caden loved Big Hero 6. And I felt like the the Baymax series that they just added, uh, which focuses primarily on Baymax being a, a healthcare provider robot, um, it doesn't necessarily have the same superhero feel and Caden wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, that yeah. is so funny, which, which uh, I would say like, if you haven't found the animated series that follows it, that is all about superhero stuff, uh, then watch that. But, uh, but it's like three seasons, I think. But, um, but the Baymax show is absolutely, you're right. It does not have the superhero. Feel. I, I, I do think that that is funny because it is, it is interesting seeing like, like, you know, Big Hero 6, the main protagonist, is a, is a young boy, right? So right off, it, the, there's some work to do to get Gwen and Clara on board because they're like, oh, you know, like it's and his brother and all of this. Like there's no – there the, the, there are girls that are introduced and that do play a big role in the plot and make part of the team. But, you know, you have to get through that uh, for them. They have to – so it was really – impressive to me that they actually like this movie because the main character is not a girl. So I definitely understand where Caden would be like, there's not enough action and superhero stuff anymore. So I'm not interested in this. It's very, it's got a little bit of something for everyone though. I think it's well-made 
in the way that the Spider-Verse into the spider verses it has a lot in common with into the spider verse i find and actually after watching it one of my first thoughts was i think gwen could watch into the spider verse now and and um i was i was thinking about you know i showed her the trailer for that and i was like oh maybe we should because it, it it is similar with like these building up and then a moment of you know that leap of faith type moment there's a similar sequence in big hero six like there's a lot of things that are similar and i know like the alchemy of these stories is such that they're all kind of the same, but the way they pull it off and just the way it's, it's, the, it takes place in a fictional city called San Francisco. And I really like mixture of Tokyo and San Francisco. And it's just so cool. Like the, it just looks so awesome. Uh, all the shots I often pause and I'm trying to look at the different things in people's rooms and like so much work went into, it, especially in 2014, I think it came out, man, frozen must've eaten its lunch that year. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's it is a really great film. Uh, totally worth checking out. And uh, I, yeah, Caden was obsessed with it for a couple weeks. We watched it. They 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 go in ways with with shows and movies and stuff where they'll just like, yeah, let's just watch this one over and over again. And I'm like, OK, and we'll try something new. And you're right. It's like, uh, you know, I just don't. right now, both Caden and Abby and Izzy, all three of them love Johnny Test. It's an older animated show older quotations like pre Paw Patrol uh, that got revived um, uh, on Netflix for a couple seasons and all three of them love it. Just been watching it uh, every chance that they have TV time. So uh, that's the big Never one. Never right heard now. of that one. Yeah. It's uh again, like it's, it's, um it's definitely geared towards like the, you know, four five, six year olds, but it's not as it's, it's not educational whatsoever. It's about a, Johnny Test, it's about a character, a brother who uh, has a talking dog and he's constantly uh, testing things for his uh, two older sisters, twin sisters that are uh, constantly um, making experience. I I honestly, I've I've sat down to watch episodes and it's really the same thing over and over again. What crazy antics is Johnny Test going to get into today because his sisters are like, hey, we found this uh, Johnny Test is like, oh, I don't want to mow the lawn. So can you build a robot that'll mow the lawn for me? It's like, of course. So they build a robot that mows the lawn, but of course Johnny Test wants to do it super fast. So they build this like they overbuild the the lawn mower robot, and it ends up like really taking over the city or something. And that's basically the plot for <laughs> every episode. Um, but they love it. It's it's simple, uh, but it's it's um, it's in the same vein as Paw Patrol, but a, a, I think geared to a, a little bit older. So they've kind of moved on from Paw Patrol. Although Caden is still super stoked that uh, they're making a new Paw Patrol movie. So they're excited. But um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's been busy summer so far. We'll have a couple more uh, Dungeons and Diapers episodes where we'll be certainly talking more about uh, summer fun. And speaking of future plans, uh, we got an email this week, Crofton. This is an email from Caleb. Hi, Ryan and Crofton. To cut to the chase, I'd really love to hear your unfiltered thoughts on Spider-Man uh, No Way Home because your initial spoiler-free discussion in episode 76 felt a bit forced because of that. And I mean, yeah, he's not wrong. We we did hold back. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that can be spoiled. On a side note, I've really enjoyed your podcast. I love hearing your parenting stories in combination with discussions of my favorite video games, movies, and TV shows. I always look forward to each episode as it provides a nice, lighthearted relief from everything else. All the best, Caleb. 
So Crofton, um, I figured it was a good time to probably return to No Way Home uh, as a spoiler-filled Ryan. discussion. Not right now. Not right now. Don't, don't Ryan, worry. What? You're Caleb, aren't you? No. <laughs> you, you, wrote, you wrote this. You're, you're like, you know, love your podcast, but also I wanted to hear you talk more about Spider-Man No Way Home. That's not you. Well, here, you're not wrong. I do love this podcast. You're also not wrong. I would love to have a spoiler-free conversation about Spider-Man No Way Home. It's a good time uh, because uh, the movie, at least in Canada, for you and I, it's a great time because in Canada, it's actually arrived on Amazon Prime Video to stream. So uh, it's a great time. It's a great time to watch it again because I don't think I've seen it since theaters. I need a refresher too. I I rented it and watched it twice when I rented it. So like I actually have seen it at least twice, but I would like to take a look at it one more time. Uh, But yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's have a, let's have a, I don't know if it's an extra episode or a spoiler or, or we do an abbreviated version of, of dad and do a spoiler, spoiler cast on the way home. It has been some time at this point, like everybody uh, should be, should at least who, who want to, should be caught up on it and that sort of thing. So I, I'm all on board and I just want to say thank you so much, Caleb, uh, if you were not actually Ryan um, for, for, for listening and writing that nice email, because uh, it really honestly like gives us tons of motivation to do uh, the show. I, I, you know, when I saw the, um, the email in the notes today, I was like, Oh man, that's great. Like, so, you know, I, uh, I appreciate all, all our listeners and appreciate they take the time uh, to engage with us. And if you do listen to the show, uh, uh, you know, on the regular or what have you, but are like, uh, what, what do you call those lurkers? Like the ones that don't, I, I would just say that know that your, you know, little emails or messages or tweets or what have you, they do make uh, a, a difference and we do really, really uh, appreciate them and, and look forward to them. So I would encourage you, even if it's just say, I like your show or I hate listened to it or whatever uh we would we would love to uh to to keep hearing from you if only there was a way that we could ryan well there are plenty of ways actually uh you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad email the show like caleb did dad at tgistudios.com you can follow us on twitter you can find me at r murphy uh crofton at crofton steers and the show at d and d cast uh, so plenty of ways to reach out. Uh, we're also on, I mean, it could also be mentioned, Dungeon Diapers gets brought up quite a bit in the Gamers In Discord. Um, and you've probably heard me re- reference Gamers In on the show before. You can go find our Discord there, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Uh, Crofton's often in there uh, talking smack about Sega Genesis. That seems to be his his pastime now. <laughs> I just, every once in a while, I'll be sitting at work and I'm like, you know what? I need to do something cathartic. I'm just going to go into this Discord and slam the Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's never a dull moment in there. So uh, lots of fun to be had. And uh, both Croft and I are, are active in that Discord. But uh, yeah, definitely reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what your summer plans. How are your summer plans going? You having fun with the family? Uh, any suggestions for other movies or board games or, or even video games? So um Lots of stuff to discuss, but we will be doing a spoiler cast uh, or a spoiler segment for Spider-Man No Way Home in the near future. Both Croft and I will uh, will check back in with old Spidey and see how things are going. But that is going to do it for this episode. 
Thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple weeks. We'll see you closer to August. Bye, everybody!